Want to learn how to leverage your marketing to get clients on repeat? Charge a fee that leaves you with money in your pocket even after you've finished paying your bills? And finally, stop working with the clients that you've long outgrown? Liberated Business is a transformational program that combines group and one-on-one work so you get the best results possible. This differs from every other program out there because it helps you make money while supporting your joy and liberation throughout your entrepreneurial journey. Liberated Business starts this June and runs through November, and enrollment is open now. Visit thebadtherapist.coach liberatedbusiness to get all of the details and sign up. DM me on Instagram at thebadtherapist with any questions or to learn more. I cannot wait to get started with you. I would recommend that you go ahead and list your business and then you find five different colleagues that you can basically do a review exchange with. That way, in the off chance that someone in the future does want to leave you a bad review, that there are already some positive ones and some high ratings to balance this out. Because if the first and only review that you have is a negative one with a negative rating, then as soon as someone looks you up on the internet, that's what they're going to see. They're going to see this one review with a shitty rating, and that sucks. Hey there, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show, the podcast for current and aspiring private practice therapists who want to earn more money, work less, and have a way bigger impact. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist, former goody-goody therapist turned six-figure private practice owner and therapist business coach. I'm here to help you learn everything you need to know about private practice and expanding beyond the one-to-one model so you can earn more money and increase your impact as a therapist without burning out or hustling. Using my proven liberated business method, therapists at all stages of business have been able to grow their income while becoming even better therapists. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. It's time for you to get your time back and enjoy being a therapist again. You ready? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to The Bad Therapist Show. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist. Today, I'm taking a question from a listener. That's right. Today, I'm taking a question from you. If you want your own private practice questions answered on the podcast, just go to the link in the show notes to submit your own. Today, we're hearing from Chris in Germany, who wants to know what to do when a client threatens to leave a bad review after receiving a late cancellation fee invoice. We do so much to guard our reputations and do right by our clients, so having someone threaten that just feels terrible. I am so sorry this is happening, and I am so glad you brought this question here. Let's dive into it. So to begin, here is Chris's full question. I have a strong seven-day cancellation policy. From time to time, people threaten to write bad reviews when they receive our invoice on the cancellation fee. How would you deal with this issue when a bad review will cost so much more than the cancellation fee is worth? So whether we like it or not, we do live in a world where clients or even potential clients or strangers on the internet can review us. This can be a huge boon for businessmen. Folks have something nice to say, but it's absolutely terrifying if they threaten to say something negative. So before I dive into Chris's question more deeply, I want to talk about how therapists can get reviews and what will give you the best outcome. In order for a therapist to be reviewed online, there needs to be a place for this review to go. So in the States, this would be something usually like Yelp or a Google business listing. 
If you haven't already listed your business on one of these platforms, then in order for someone to leave you a review, whether that's positive or negative, they would have to be so uh, upset or happy with your work that they would take the time to actually create the listing for your business and then leave the review. So this could happen, of course, though that hurdle might create just enough friction that the disgruntled person wouldn't actually follow through with leaving the review once they discovered that they would actually have to also go through the trouble of creating a business listing. But just the fact that someone who is not the business owner can create a listing for a business should tell you that it's actually a pretty straightforward process. It doesn't take that much time. And so there are really two ways that you can approach this whole getting reviewed thing. One is that you don't list your business and you cross your fingers that no one will ever be so upset that they create a listing for you and leave you a negative review. The second option is that you do create a business listing and then you ask your colleagues for professional reviews. So great people to ask would be like supervisors, your cohort members from grad school, colleagues from your associateship or other therapists that you're in consultation with if you're already licensed. These are people who can comment on your skill as a therapist based on what they know about you and your work from a clinical setting. You cannot solicit reviews from any therapy clients in any ways. If a client wanted to leave you a positive review, they would have to decide to do that completely on their own without any prompting or mention from you. If they like brought it up to you and said, hey, this was so great, You're doing, we're doing such great work and I want to leave you a review, I suppose you could tell them, like, sure, here is where you could do that. But you would never request or solicit a review from a client. And so this kind of sucks because it means that the most likely scenario is if you have any reviews at all, because, like, likely you don't. You definitely don't to start. And again, someone would usually have to be pretty upset to go through the trouble of leaving a review. So the most likely situation is that you would have positive reviews from your colleagues, and then if you had any negative ones, those would be from disgruntled clients. But that's just the landscape of getting reviewed online. And so what I generally recommend to private practice therapists is that you go ahead and list your business on one of these reviewing sites like Yelp or Google My Business. Google My Business is a great option, especially if you're wanting to increase uh, your visibility locally using local SEO. So that can be a great option. So I would recommend that you go ahead and list your business and then you find five different colleagues that you can basically do a review exchange with. That way, in the off chance that someone in the future does want to leave you a bad review, that there are already some positive ones and some high ratings to balance this out. Because if the first review that you ever, if the first and only review that you have is a negative one with a negative rating, then as soon as someone looks you up on the internet, that's what they're going to see. They're going to see this one review with a shitty rating, and that sucks. And so in order to prevent something like that from occurring, it can be really helpful to get those reviews from your colleagues. So I hope that's really helpful just to create some context for what does the landscape of how reviews affect therapists look like? What does that landscape look like? And today we're going to be focusing on reviews on public sites rather than formal complaints to a board because Chris's question was about a quote-unquote bad review, so we're going to focus on that. Let's go back to the scenario. 
Clients in this practice need to give one week's notice if they want to cancel. If they give less notice than that, then it's considered a late cancellation and the client receives an invoice for the session fee. So first of all, I love this cancellation policy. It's the one that I use in my therapy practice. I love that it allows me to have a really good idea of what my week is going to look like ahead of time. And it also ensures that I don't have really wild swings in income. It gets rid of a lot of the unpredictability that private practice therapists can have when it comes to their income. And this is the policy that I suggest to all of my one-on-one clients. It's what I've taught in the Liberated Business. So I personally love this policy. And even though Chris isn't asking this, if any of you are listening and you're thinking, hmm, maybe the policies should change, I absolutely would not recommend that. I love this policy. I say keep it. That's not the problem. I'm assuming that people who are becoming clients in this practice know about your policy. And so I wouldn't give people who are threatening you a discount because that's basically what would be happening. The people who aren't threatening you, they pay the fee because that's the policy they agreed to. The people who are threatening you also agree to that policy, but when push comes to shove, they don't want to follow through with their end of the commitment, and so now they're just threatening you. I would not give them a discount because they're threatening you. That uh, that just doesn't sound great. We're rewarding, essentially, bad behavior. And I would say don't give clients discounts because they're quote-unquote difficult. And I think a lot of us do this. A lot of us will hesitate to raise a client's fee because we're afraid of their response. We're afraid they'll get mad at us. We're afraid that they'll say that we're a bad therapist. We'll do something wrong to them. And so we're giving them basically discounts because we're afraid of them or we, quote unquote, find them difficult. So I know it's really hard to do, but I would really advise therapists away from anything like that um, because it's just really avoiding it's us avoiding some discomfort and so that's generally not a good policy in our businesses it also sounds like right now based on what you shared chris is that you've been getting threats but perhaps people haven't actually followed through on giving you these negative reviews but here's what i would do if that did happen so usually if someone gives you a review. It's on one of these public platforms, and usually the business is allowed to respond in some way. So if someone has left a negative review and they've specifically mentioned the cancellation policy as the reason for why things went awry, I recommend responding with something like, before starting therapy, every client is informed of our cancellation policy and knowingly agrees to the terms. Having advanced notice of cancellations allows us to provide consistent quality care and create a sustainable working environment for our staff. So this is a really general statement, and it doesn't confirm or deny that this reviewer was actually ever a client of your therapy practice, but it does show others who might see the review that you are actually acting responsibly and consistently. That is really important. We can't kind of like Uh, acknowledge that this person was a client, but we could share a general statement about our policies and practices that would let other people seeing the review see that you were just doing what you said you were going to do. And that can help mitigate some of the harm that that review could cause. The next thing I would do is get some reviews from your colleagues. So you have some positive reviews and some high ratings. 
And like I said earlier, I would suggest doing this no matter what. So if you have not gotten a negative review, I would still go ahead and do this, especially because you have people who are threatening to leave bad ones. I would say it's even more important for you to have some positive reviews to balance that out. But here's where I really think you should invest your time. I think it's really interesting that there seems to be a pattern that people are getting so upset and threatening these bad reviews. And like I said, I have the same policy in my therapy practice, and I don't think I've ever had anyone threaten to leave a bad review. And so that makes me really curious about a few different things. The first set of questions that I would want you to ask yourself is, what do the people who are threatening this have in common? Does this intersect with any clinical issues in a common way? Are there any patterns to who is threatening to do this? Are there any patterns to how these people are getting onboarded? Basically, that will help you hone in on what is going on that could be leading to people making these threats to leave you a bad review. And then again, what does your onboarding process look like? Is there a chance that not enough time or attention is being given to making sure that people understand this policy before they begin therapy. So in my first session with clients, I would always spend time on this policy. I would say, you know, do you have any questions for me about the informed consent? And sometimes clients would bring up this policy because they'd read it and they'd want to talk about it. Even if they didn't bring it up, you know, 99% of the time would because I knew it was still pretty unusual. And I think this is starting to change more and more, at least in the States. I know so because this blog on my website about it is incredibly popular, but I know things are starting to change here. That being said, it's still not typical. And so a lot of clients have never encountered something like this before. And they probably have encountered therapists who have cancellation policies and don't actually uphold them or enforce them. So they see this kind of wacky cancellation policy. They know therapists don't really enforce them to begin with. So they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll sign it. I don't care. But then the moment comes when you're actually saying, hey, you owe me this money. And they're like, what the heck? Like, wait, you're actually going to do this? And so taking a little time at the beginning of that onboarding process to make sure clients really understand this policy And that they also understand that you are going to uphold it. Like this isn't a a made up fake policy just because you needed some text to put in that part of your informed consent. Like you actually mean this shit. That can go a long way. And if you have a team of people who you're working with, because it sounds like you might be running a group practice, then you want to make sure that your team members are being consistent in the application of this policy and in in how they're not just applying it, but on how they're describing it to clients. So it may be worthwhile to, to have a training or do an assessment or pull your team, find out what is going on here that this seems to be so upsetting to people in the moment when it's actually being put into place. There should be a really consistent way that you and your team share this information. So if you don't already have an SOP or a standard operating procedure around this, it's definitely time to create one and make sure your team is trained. Next place I'd look is, are the clients who cancel just receiving an invoice? Is it just like they're just getting something in their email inbox that's saying like, hey, pay us money? Is there a chance that that is feeling a little jarring? Uh, could they use a bit of a message to kind of round that out and make it feel a bit more personal? It could be something very simple and clear, but with warm language, like, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. I don't think that you necessarily have to do this. I'm not 
for one, convinced that this would be the thing to solve. But if clients are really aware of this, but it's just kind of landing in a way that feels really uh, impersonal or cold, then it would be interesting to see if adding a little bit of warmth to your message could soften that a bit. Like, hey, I'm I'm still your therapist, same person you already know. And, you know, per our agreement, I'm going to need you to pay this. Here's the invoice, right? Something like that could potentially soften it a little bit if people are feeling a bit jarred by this communication being so uh, nitty gritty. In general, I would just go through basically every person who has complained so far and I would look at what happened there. Again, do they have anything in common, whether that's clinical or how they onboarded? Are these all one therapist's clients? I would look at how you are communicating this policy and not just yourself, but your team members as well. I would look at how this is actually being enforced. What is the process? How are people receiving this invoice? And just really look at every single piece of this whole process to see where it could be improved. But I absolutely would not not enforce the policy just because someone is threatening to leave a bad review. I think that uh, in general is not a good way to deal with client complaints and it essentially uh, punishes clients who don't complain. So I'd give some more thought here. I'd slow everything down. And I hope this has been helpful for everyone else who's listening who has feared clients leaving a bad review. It's not the end of the world. It happens. It even happened to me once before. It was really odd, actually. The person who left me a review wasn't even a client. They weren't a potential client. Uh, It was really, really strange. And so I even reached out to Yelp and said, hey, this review isn't nonsensical. And eventually they they said, well, we don't remove reviews, but eventually it disappeared. So I don't really know what happened with that. It was a very, very strange scenario. Um, And in this case, I already had some reviews from colleagues that were on my Yelp profile. So that was really helpful. And again, the review was pretty nonsensical. And so I think even though it damaged my star rating or whatever, if someone had actually taken the time to read it, it would have sounded very odd. And so I don't think it actually did much damage at all. But the reality is, is like you're you're just not fully in control of this whole review system. So again, because of that, uh, one of the best things that you can do is take a proactive stance and give yourself the best chance of having some positive reviews and a higher rating. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This has been such a rich topic, and I'm so grateful to Chris for the question. I hope that you learned a lot and now you have some steps that you can take to avoid or lessen the blow of a negative review. Don't just sit on this information. Take action this week and ask a few colleagues to do a review exchange with you. If you have private practice questions that you want answered, I would love to answer them for you on the podcast. Just get the link in the show notes to submit your own. Next week is going to be a really juicy topic. Therapists love to collaborate and co-create with their clients, but next week I'm going to be sharing one area of your private practice that you really should not be bringing clients into co-create with you. I am so excited to be sharing this with you, so make sure that you tune in next week. I will see you then. That's all today for The Bad Therapist Show. Thanks so much for hanging with me. 
I hope you got some gems that you can start using right away in your own business so that you can break out of good therapist conditioning and build the business that you want. If you've gotten something out of this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with one of your good therapist friends who really needs to hear it. And while you're at it, please consider leaving a rating and or review so that we can change not just our individual businesses, but transform the mental health system that got us here in the first place. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week for more private practice and coaching tips. Remember, bad therapists make the best therapists.